We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, and today we are talking about the Oregon football defense. We're going to go ahead and give an in-depth preview on what this unit is looking like for Dan Lanning and the Ducks as the team is just two days away from opening fall camp here um, ahead of the 2022 season. Uh, We also got to talk to Dan Lanning today uh, ahead of or at Oregon's football media day. So I'm going to try to talk about kind of each position group. Definitely want to spotlight some players that I'm excited to see uh, in the 2022 season and also work in some of the updates that we got from Dan Lenning's press conference today in Eugene uh, and just some of the other various notes, you know, odds and ends uh, that we were able to gather from today's press conference. So super, super excited to hop into this. There's plenty to talk about. There's going to be plenty to talk about with uh, really football season is getting back into full swing. I think that there's a Hall of Fame NFL preseason game tomorrow. Uh, It is Wednesday, August 3rd, as I record this. So football is in the air, ladies and gentlemen. We have made it through the dreaded offseason. Before we get into today's show, just wanted to uh, you know, thank those of you that are tuned in live here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Go ahead and hop into the live chat, leave us a comment, leave us a question, and I will do my best to get to it and answer it here on today's version of the show, today's uh, edition of the show, rather. Uh, love interacting with you guys and seeing what's on your mind. Let me know what you're most excited about with this year's defense. It can be a new coach that the Ducks added. It can be a new player that the Ducks added, maybe from the 2022 recruiting class or from uh, you know the roster, maybe that didn't play last year. But there's definitely a lot to talk about today. Uh, we have DadBot in the building commenting first in the live chat. What's going on? Thanks for being here. So yeah, with, with all that being said, we are going to go ahead and uh, start breaking down some of these position groups for Oregon's defense here ahead of the start of the season. And I think that looking at the defense, it, it looks like, I think you could say, at least just from you know the performance, I feel like it's, it's probably from past performance on the field, it looks like Noah Sewell is the leader of this defense. I mean, I'm sure multiple leaders are going to emerge but that's definitely a player that a lot of eyes are going to be on uh, from an Oregon perspective, right? Seeing that he was the leading tackler last year. He's on the Butkus Award watch list for best linebacker in college football. But I think that he absolutely has the most hype of anybody on this defense, which is loaded with talent. So 
let's start off just talking about the linebackers a little bit. I think that uh, Oregon's linebackers are really as deep as they've been in quite some time. Um, and a lot of that starts with Noah Sewell and, and Justin Flo. Uh, you'll remember that Justin Flo only was able to play in one game last year against Fresno State, and man, what a game it was. Uh, I think he had a game-high 14 total tackles, a perform- as well as a forced fumble, a performance that uh, helped him earn Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week honors. Um, and that dude was just absolutely running wild, and there is so much promise uh, in his game. And then ultimately pairing that with Sewell, uh, in the middle of the defense, there's plenty of reason to be excited there. We saw him, um, I was going to say, in the last year's spring game, running around, uh, keeping pace with Devin Williams on a couple plays. So we're going to have to see how much growth that this linebacker unit um, really saw in this offseason as far as being able to cover. I think that's a really big one. How, how well does this group cover? Uh, and you want to have a, a group that can defend the run, that can rush the passer, uh, and that can also um, just do a, a mixture of, of different things. So I think that Noah Sewell and, and Justin Flo are definitely the dominant storyline for this Oregon defense heading into 2022. But there are a lot of really proven players and really talented guys on this defense, aside from just Sewell and Flo. I think we're, you have to look at players like Jeffrey Bossa, Mace Funa, DJ Johnson, Braden Swenson. Those guys are, are all returners that played a lot of football, a lot of snaps for the Ducks last year. I think that of that group, I'm probably more, if not the most, interested in, in uh, DJ Johnson and, and Jeffrey Bassa um, because Bassa came, uh, Bassa came to Oregon as a defensive back, and then we saw how well he played when he was moved to linebacker to shore up some of that depth, uh, those depth issues that were created when Justin Flo got hurt when Drew Mathis got hurt last year. The injury bug was certainly not on Oregon's side last year, particularly in that linebacker core. That was just a position that was hammered with injuries. So Bossa was definitely one of the biggest success stories from last year. And then Lanning talked about how he's really liked what he's seen from Bossa as far as being someone who's just a really good athlete that has a lot of speed so you can cover sideline to sideline, but he also has that physicality that you really want in a linebacker. So it kind of feels like he is... Uh, a little bit of the prototype in terms of what Lanning is looking for in a linebacker. So um, not only what steps forward can Bossa take, how does his body change uh, as he's now going to be a full-time linebacker? I feel like the previous staff kind of left the door open uh, for a move back to the secondary where he originally played in high school. But where does this staff see him long-term? Is he going to be a linebacker long-term? If so, uh, how does his frame change? I believe he's about six foot two. And in the area of 215 to 220 pounds. So he was definitely a bigger defensive back when he got to Oregon as an early enrollee. But uh, let's see how his, let's see how his frame changes and and what um, Wilson Love and the rest of that strength staff ultimately want to, you know, what they have in store for him long-term seeing that he's just now going to be entering his sophomore season. He came to Oregon with that record setting 2021 class. DJ Johnson, DJ Johnson absolutely has to be a player that we're talking about here because Oregon needs a pass rush. And not only do they need a pass rush, they need a consistent pass rush. They just had, you know, one of the best pass rushers in pro program history uh, with, uh, with Justin Flo, or sorry, with Kayvon Thibodeau, getting all my names mixed up. They just had one of the best pass rushers in program history uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau, who uh, spent three years at Oregon, you know, he's a three and out guy. 
and now he's playing for the New York Giants. So who's gonna who's gonna step in and you know fill the void left by Kayvon Thibodeau's departure? And I feel like a lot of eyes are gonna be on DJ Johnson as he's gonna be doing his first full season just playing uh, defense here in the last couple of seasons. He he bounced back and forth throughout last year between tight end, defensive end, slash outside linebacker, edge. Um, I, I kind of just like calling that the edge. It sounds cooler than outside linebacker for me. But DJ Johnson has to take a step forward. I feel like he has, I don't want to say that he has the most to prove, but there's just so much excitement around what he brings to the table uh, in the trenches as uh, one of those guys on the outside. I think he he literally garnered, I think it was like, I don't know if it was 70 offers. I'm going to check his 247 profile coming out of high school originally uh, in the class of 2017. But I'm going to look at his recruiting profile right now. We all know that he ended up at Miami. But his 247 profile page has him at 100 offers um, on, you know, as a recruit. So I think that's a pretty notable uh, notable milestone for, for anybody. But um, it just, you know, drives home the point even more that I think that uh, there's so much that he can do to, to add to this defense. He was one of only two players that got a sack in that Ohio State game which was just a brutal game for, for Oregon from a um, pass rushing standpoint. I think that they did a really good job defending the run, but for the most part, when CJ Stroud wanted to pass in that game, he had all the time in the world to pass. So DJ Johnson is going to have a pivotal role for this Oregon defense uh, heading into 2022. Um, I think that we'll definitely see a heavy dose of Mace Funa and, and Braden Swinson as well. Um, but DJ Johnson has to be someone that is, is right there at the top of the list in terms of uh, kind of a breakout player to watch for the Ducks in Tosh Lapoy and Dan Lanning's defense uh, heading into next season. So he's going to be a, a guy we got to watch. And then um, let's talk about some of these other guys. I think Mace Funa, he, he's someone who has been a steady contributor for Oregon. He's been a very familiar face on uh, you know the Oregon defense for the past couple of years, but it, it seems like they kind of know what they have in Mace as far as a guy who can who can uh, definitely, I think he can defend the run pretty well. He's someone that they're confident in setting the edge on that defense. But I think they want to see what his next step looks like as a, a pass rusher and as an, as an overall linebacker. You remember that this is a guy that came out of modern day, was one of the initial members of the Cali Flock movement when uh, Mario Cristobal really had Oregon invading Southern California for some of the best players in the country. So I think they want to see, you know, what new skills can he develop or can he just be a little bit more consistent this year for, uh, you know, Tosh Lapoy and, and those outside backers. Another guy that I'm going to be interested to see what he can do is Braden Swinson. Braden Swinson was getting a lot of hype in fall camp last year and uh, deservedly so. I think you'll remember he was the other guy who got that, he got that other sack in that Ohio State game uh, alongside DJ Johnson, but he's someone that I think the staff uh, wants to see take that next step, and I think he's someone that this new staff probably sees, and they got to have a lot of confidence in in what he brings to the table, Uh, being one of the better players that came out of the state of Georgia in, in his class um, I think that we've kind of seen those flashes from Braden Swinson, but we're looking to see him put it together at a little bit more consistent uh, of, a, of a clip. Um, so I think that those are some of the main guys that we're going to be seeing at, at linebacker for Oregon. We've been talking about Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, Jeffrey Bossa, uh, Mace Funa, DJ Johnson, Braden Swinson. And then the nice thing for Oregon is that there's depth behind that. It's not just those guys. I think because they had all those injuries last year, 
they really didn't lose that many people. You have Nate Hukalani, uh, the former walk-on who um, who ran out of eligibility. Drew Mathis is now with the Salem Police Department, I think. So he's doing he's doing his thing, uh, you know, life after football. But what I was going to say is that because they were so banged up as a, a linebacker core last year, a lot of those guys were able to get some pretty meaningful snaps. Whether they were ready or not, they, uh, they were able to get in the game quite a bit. Um, that kind of reminds me about what Lanny has said kind of about his ideology with, with young players getting the last snaps early. He was saying, uh, if you're old, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So if you can play, you can play. It doesn't matter if you just got here. It doesn't matter if you were, if you've been here for, for two, three years. Um, so I think that, uh, that definitely bodes well for some of these other guys that I want to talk about. Jackson LaDuke is, is definitely one of them. He came to Oregon in the 2020 class, but he was kind of banged up on and off. Also had uh, had to go through some some battles with COVID, which obviously um, you know just hampered his his development a little bit. But when he did come back towards the tail end of last year, I believe he started in that Oregon State game. So that was kind of something I was I was uh, excited to see in terms of uh, him being so involved in a, a big role early um, in terms of coming back from his from his injury or from from his sickness. So. Uh, Jackson LaDuke's definitely a guy to watch coming out of Nevada. Keith Brown also saw some really good play time. You'll remember that I believe he was he was one of, if not the top guy in the state of Oregon in his class in, in 2021. Someone who was really, really athletic and highly touted as a recruit, played linebacker and running back. Um, that's something that's so interesting to me when I'm just looking at guys transition from the high school to the college level is that they um, – played both sides. They played both ways when, when they were in high school. So I think that that really gives you a good feel for both positions. And then when you're a linebacker now full-time like Brown is, you kind of have a better sense of what goes into defending the running back position because you played that position in high school. And then another guy that I want to talk about is Trevin Maia. Trevin Maia is a huge individual. I believe he's around 6'4", 6'5", uh, 250 pounds, just completely changed his body since he's been at Oregon definitely more of a soft-spoken guy in the couple, couple of times that we've been able to talk to him. But the, every time we talk to him or about him, the coaching staff has been very, very high on his ability. And um, I think now that you have DJ Johnson getting in the mix, I'm thinking it'll probably be DJ Johnson and either Braden Swenson or Mace Funa starting on the outside for, for Oregon. But I think Trevin's someone who played a lot of snaps last year. And if you're this Oregon coaching staff, you're going to feel pretty confident turning to him when you flip on the tape and, and see what he was able to do last year. Sure. There's some plays that he's going to want back, want back from 2021, but I think he's someone that you can be really confident in. And overall this linebacker core, I think with this new staff, with the experience that a lot of these guys had last year, there, there shouldn't be that much of a drop-off or maybe not as much drop-off as there maybe has been in previous years. Brandon Buckner is another person that definitely deserves um, you know, a place in this conversation when we're talking about the linebackers and, and the guys on the outside, uh, maybe viewed by some as a little bit undersized, but um, someone that I really liked coming out of high school came out of uh, Chandler, Arizona, I believe it was. Ducks are still recruiting that area heavily, and they just got a commitment today, actually, uh, from Michael Gardner, uh, a big defensive lineman out of Peoria, Arizona, Liberty High School specifically. So, um, definitely want to, um, maybe we could talk about that a little bit later in this episode, but since I'm here, I know we're talking about the defense, uh, definitely wanted to get those, uh, those recruiting updates in there as well. So 
Oregon's 2023 class getting a nice boost uh, with another addition along the defensive line. You'll remember that the Ducks added another defensive lineman uh, earlier this week on Monday when Terrence Green out of uh, Cy Woods High School in Cypress, Texas, announced his commitment to Oregon. So the Ducks are still looking to get some offensive line help in this 2023 recruiting class, but they're beefing up the trenches on defense with Tavita Pomee, Terrence Green, and then today's latest edition of Michael Gardner. They're also going after Amari Washington, which is what I was alluding to when I said that Chandler, Arizona is still an area that is getting recruited very heavily uh, by Oregon. They also have Cole Martin, uh, son of cornerbacks coach Demetrius Martin, also committed and in the fold. He's out of Basha High School uh, in Arizona. So the Ducks are very much prioritizing the desert and making the most of the guys that they're able to recruit from, from that area. So I think Brandon Buckner is another one that could be seeing some, some significant time. Uh, they got a couple of young guys too, that they brought in in this 2022 class, Devin Jackson and Harrison Taggart. Those are some fast linebackers. Um, I don't know as much about the numbers with, with Harrison Taggart, but I know that Devin Jackson was someone who uh, was heavily involved in track throughout his high school career, really throughout his, his life. Um, and Devin Jackson is someone that they're really going to want to try to keep that speed while they, you know, get him up to speed uh, as a linebacker at the college level. And then obviously uh, you want to add some muscle uh, to his frame, seeing that he's, uh, you know, both he and Tagger are, are much more slight of frame than some of these other guys. Um, but I think that this, this linebacker room is, is looking real solid and they keep bringing in pretty good pieces. That's another position that I think will be interested to see what they can do on the recruiting trail in 2023, they do have Tatum Tuioti, son of Tony Tuioti, committed as an edge rusher from Sheldon High School in Eugene. But I think that that's a position where they, they need to do some work and they're looking for some results because they're going after some pretty high profile guys there. Looks like we're getting uh, looks like we're getting some comments here and um, in the live chat. So let's go ahead and see what people are saying. Brian says, I'm excited to see a multi-pronged approach so offenses can't key in on one guy. Yeah, I, I think this is a great uh, a great thing to keep an eye on for Oregon and their defense heading into next season. I know that Dan Lanning's really preached positional versatility when I asked him that question on uh, Pac-12 Media Day, at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, that was something that he's really excited about, and I think that this Oregon defense is just loaded I think every year now that I've been covering this team, I started covering the team back in 2018, I believe it was, every year they're just taking these steps, it feels like, and adding higher and higher caliber of athlete, not in terms of just only their recruiting acumen. We're seeing the recruiting is just continuing to take off, right? But in terms of how athletic these guys are, the, the number of things that they can do, the, the, the different hats that they can wear, um, which is what we saw just recently with, with uh, Jeffrey Bossa, right? Um, so I think that that's something I'm excited for. You want to have multiple contributors so that, uh, like last year, for example, I think that this is a good uh, note to compare it from last year. You know, you, I'm not going to say they only had Kayvon Thibodeau, but Kayvon Thibodeau was so far, was so head and shoulders above the rest of that defensive front that it kind of felt at times like if he wasn't winning his one-on-one -on -one or if he wasn't able to get some pressure on the quarterback, who was that second guy that you turned to? I think with the linebackers that they have now, uh, particularly on the outside and the, the experience that they return along the interior of the defensive line, they're going to be able to have, you know, one, two, three guys that they can consistently rely on to get some push 
to push the the uh, offensive line back into the quarterback and then just uh, out physical and out athlete uh, some of these offensive linemen or tight ends or, or running backs that they're going to be going against. So I think that that's absolutely need, needs to be a priority for, for Tosh LaFoy, Dan Lanning, and the rest of that defensive staff this year, having multiple dudes that can get after the passer, that can roam around in the secondary, that can cover a guy uh, like they're glued to him without getting penalized. I think that's something that's very important, obviously, right? You want to be able to cover, but do it legally and uh, not get, uh, get not give up a bunch of free yards. X Solid Ducks says the front seven should be solid, maybe great. The secondary is the question mark with Verone and Wright being gone. They have talent back there, but I'm curious to see who steps up with the new scheme. Yeah, well, that's great. Let's let's hit on the secondary here. That was actually the next uh, position group that I was going to hit on. And I think that that is, that has to be the, the question mark when you're looking at this uh, defense in 2022. And, and I don't mean that, and I don't think you mean it either in you know a critical way. I think it's just uh, kind of the, the matter of fact, the, the situation, the reality that the Ducks have to deal with. You did lose a lot of pretty uh, proven guys from last year, Verum McKinley, the third, definitely being the, the, I'd say the best guy from last year's secondary that they lost. He's, uh, he's reunited with Javon Holland in Miami, uh, playing with the Dolphins. So that's a pretty cool story. But he was probably your best playmaker aside from Bennett Williams last year. And obviously, Bennett Williams was someone who missed a lot of time uh, due to a season-ending injury just before that Stanford game in October. So I think right now, yeah, with, with Michael Wright being gone, DJ James is another guy that's no longer with the Ducks, seeing that he transferred back to his home state to play for Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. Um that's going to be that's going to be a question that this defense has to answer, and maybe it's not something that they answer right away. But I think certainly within the maybe like by the end of the non-conference schedule, you want to be able to have a pretty good handle on you know who are those guys that you're going to be able to rely on, or at least have something of a, a pretty solid um, rotation because the secondary, you know, the the, the back end, you've got to have really solid communication. You got to have those guys having confidence in each other, knowing that they can lean on each other and, and communicate uh, to make sure that you're not having any busted coverages. And uh, you want to have your best playmakers on the field. Uh, I think that that's an area where the that I'm really going to have my eye on for this Oregon defense is who are the playmakers? There's so many guys that they lost last year that Ben and Williams is the only proven playmaker in that secondary, you could make the argument that Jamal Hill is, is a playmaker for the Ducks, seeing that he had that two interception game against USC in the 2020, um, the 2020 Pac-12 championship game. He had two interceptions, but after that, we, we haven't heard from Jamal Hill too much. We, we've seen him on the field, but uh, it was a lot of uh, Bennett Williams and Verone McKinley last year. So going to have some new guys that they're going to have to rely on at the safety spot, right? Uh, so Bennett Williams is going to be heavily involved there. Steve Stevens, the fourth, Jamal Hill. Um, you also have uh, Dominic Dalton, uh, who comes over from Hawaii. Maybe he can get, you know, mix things up there and then the cornerback room as well. Uh, he's a really big safety. I think he's about six foot four. That was one of the big things that stood out to me when he initially announced his commitment to Oregon. Uh, you also have Triquez Bridges. That's a, another question for this Oregon secondary I think we have a little bit more guidance on it now or some more direction, but where is Triquez Bridges going to line up for the Oregon defense in 2022? This is a guy who was a major ball hawk 
coming out of Lynette High School in Alabama. I believe he actually set the interceptions record. I think he tied it. He was really trying to break it um, coming out of high school in, in 2019, but I think he was, uh, you know, only able to set the record or tie the record. But he's someone that I think has to be in prime position to emerge as a big playmaker for the Ducks in the secondary. Uh, I think I'm feeling really confident about Triquez's ability, especially if they move him back to safety where he played initially. Definitely need to give him some props for for moving to cornerback last year uh, when the Ducks needed him. But um, maybe he'll be a little bit more comfortable moving back to safety and, and doing his thing there. So you need good playmaking in the secondary. That's something that Oregon had last year. They just kind of weren't as consistent as I think that they should have been, right? They, they were forcing interceptions at a super high clip earlier in the year. Um, I think about um, I think about that game against Arizona where I think they had three or four interceptions, uh, a lot of forced fumbles against Fresno State. But after Bennett Williams got hurt, it, it was it was really obvious that they were missing a lot of their playmaking ability in the secondary. Uh, Got to give Rome McKinley a, a whole bunch of credit because it really feels like he took that on. And uh, he at times kind of felt like he was running routes with guys before he had these interceptions. So because of the way that the turnovers were kind of hot and cold last year, I think that played a big role in the Oregon defense kind of becoming a bend don't break unit. They didn't want to do that. That was just kind of what it felt like ended up happening, right? With, with, with that uh, Oregon secondary and, and that defense, um, you know, guys would, teams would drive down the field on them. Maybe you can, you know, limit it to just a field goal or you drive all the way down and then you force an interception in the red zone um, you know, certainly worse things could happen and you're not going to get mad at a team for forcing a lot of interceptions. But I know that the Oregon staff doesn't want to allow as many yards as they did, as many broken plays as they did last year. Um, so we've touched on uh, some of these guys at safety, but I also want to talk about the cornerbacks. So looking at the cornerbacks, Michael Wright's gone. DJ James is gone. What does Oregon do? They go they go out and look for some reinforcements in the transfer portal, which makes a lot of sense. I think that that was absolutely the position that you wanted to see Oregon be very active in from a defensive standpoint. You're not going to find a lot of proven edge rushers in the transfer portal. It's just not going to happen. I think schools that realize that they have really good pass rushers, you know, they're going to make sure that they feel appreciated, that they're showcased, that they have a big role. So it's just hard to find guys like that in the transfer portal. But luckily for Oregon, things worked out with Demetrius Martin coming over from Colorado and, and Christian Gonzalez playing some really good ball for the Buffaloes uh, these past two years. He's a guy originally out of Texas. I think he came out of high school as a safety, actually. So kind of a little bit of that Triquez Bridges scenario where uh, he's been asked to play both positions. But he was definitely establishing himself as one of the more talented defensive backs in the entire Pac-12 during his time. Uh, with Colorado. So I think that he's someone who doesn't have a lot to prove necessarily. Maybe for Oregon fans, there's something to prove there because they haven't seen him playing for Oregon before, but he's done it before. So I think that he has some, some high expectations to live up to because the Oregon staff really wants to have him be someone that they can trot out there and say, Hey, shut down that side of the field, or here's the top wide receiver at, at uh, you know, USC or, or Utah. We need you to shut him down. Uh, you know, Jake Bobo at UCLA, like maybe we'll see some matchups like that. So I think that there, he's someone who, who definitely has some high expectations heading into the season. But then after that, you have a really, really young secondary 
especially specifically at cornerback as we're highlighting that group. I think Dante Manning is someone that you absolutely have to keep an eye on. Um, there, there's going to be a lot asked of him this upcoming season. He came to Oregon. I believe he's actually the highest rated cornerback to ever sign with the Ducks. So that's pretty distinguishable right there. But uh, he's had some he's had some battles with injuries since he got to Oregon, which I think has really hampered his ability to find his footing. He played a lot of snaps last year, and I think that it almost felt like the staff was a little bit more confident in Triquas Bridges than Dante Manning because that was a big position battle on defense that we were really honing in on heading into uh, the season last year and in fall camp. And I'm not sure there was a quote unquote winner but it did feel like Tricos Bridges was maybe seeing more snaps at corner than Dante Manning. So just with how athletic he is, with how quick he is, how, how fluid he is with his movements, I think that he's going to be someone that is asked to do a lot this upcoming year, and the Ducks need him to step up at cornerback. Other than him, you have some other names here. You have Avante Dickerson, who was an All-American cornerback coming out of Nebraska in 2021. And then you also have the Jaleels, right? Jaleel Florence came to Oregon as an early enrollee, was able to play with the Ducks for a majority of spring ball. I think he rejoined the team after spring break. He gets to Oregon, gets in that spring game, wastes no time making plays, snags, inter- snags an interception and interception in that game. So he's showing that he's, I think, adjusting pretty well to the the, co- the college speed. He's someone that hasn't played a whole lot of football. I believe I was listening to his story or learning about it, and he didn't start playing football until high school, I want to say. So he's someone who has a really, really quick, uh, you know, steep learning curve in a good way. Um, and it sounds like he's someone who's going to benefit from being with the Ducks early. And then you also have his former teammate at Lincoln High School out there in San Diego, Jalil Tucker, who is now with the Ducks. Both of these guys, crazy speed, crazy, crazy speed. And that's what Dan Lanning really liked. Uh, I asked him about the secondary and some of the new guys that have joined. Kamari Terrell is another person that you have another player that you got to have an eye on uh, who came out of uh, Shoemaker High School in Killeen, Texas. Um, all three of those guys, they have size, they have speed, they have length. And, and those are things that can really help you in the secondary, especially if you're getting beat, you know, maybe you get beat in your one-on-one, but you have that closing speed to make up that ground. I think Dan Lanning was saying that at Pac-12 Media Day when I asked him that, he was saying that speed kind of helps uh, eliminate some or alleviate the impact from some of those mistakes. We're going to keep talking about this Oregon defense, but before that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And for those of you listening to us on the podcasting platforms, the podcasting apps, make sure you guys stick around. You're not going to want to miss it. We have more Oregon football with fall camp starting in just a few days after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We are previewing the Oregon football defense ahead of the start of fall camp, which is on Friday, uh, August 5th. So that's going to be a, a really fun day for, for everybody in the Oregon community, uh, specifically, especially for me, you know, being in the, the Oregon media and, and getting to cover this team. So we've talked a lot about the Oregon secondary. I think I have one more comment that I wanted to make is just more physical play. I think a lot of Oregon fans, when I saw them on, on social media after the games or just, you know, talking with them, uh, was just that there was so much space being given to these wide receivers from this, these cornerbacks. I think that you want to have these cornerbacks play closer to the line of scrimmage, jam those guys off the line of scrimmage, and, and just assert yourself. I think if you do that early, it, it sends a message. It's not like, you know, punching them in the mouth, but it's just showing you're not going to be pushed around. We're we're here to play a physical brand of football. Um, and Demetrius Martin is, is definitely one of the most well-respected and, and well-known developers of talent. He, he's done it at pretty much every stop he's had. He's coached at darn near half the Pac-12, right? Or Pac-10. We'll see if it uh, ends up becoming the Pac-10 or less uh, with USC and UCLA leaving. But I think that that's another big point that you have to look at for this Oregon secondary is just playing more physical. I think that Verone McKinley was absolutely one of those guys. He was an enforcer. He set the tone. Think about that that big pass breakup he had over the middle to uh, the Ohio State tight end in that game. I thought that was big. So he's someone that I think they're they're going to miss, but they have guys that can kind of help fill the void uh, for them now that they have um, you know lost some some really prevalent guys. All right, we got a. Uh, some more comments and questions here. Oh, this is Brian from when I was talking about Keith Brown. Brian says, Keith Brown is a stud, local Lebanon guy. Uh, always fun to see those local guys, you know, playing for Oregon on the big stage. And uh, definitely feel like some fans, you know, rooting for them a little bit extra, seeing that they're from the state. Steve asks, can you see Oregon doing full line changes to keep their players fresh? Yeah, I think this is going to be something – We'll see if they if they do that. I think I could see it, but I don't really feel like we've seen it too much in the past at Oregon. I think they certainly have the bodies to do that, but that's a question where you have to take into account, you know, how do you want to mix these guys in? You know, are you going to have just all your top guys in that front line? Or are you going to maybe mix some of them out um, so that there isn't as much drop-off when you swap out these lines? 
I feel like the starters right now are probably going to be some mixture of, of Brandon Dorless, Popo Amavai, Keon Ware Hudson, uh, Sam Taimani. I think those are some of the most proven guys on the roster at that spot. Jordan Riley and Casey Rogers are also a couple of uh, names that the Ducks were able to add from the portal. Obviously, there's a lot of familiarity there with Tony Tuyoti coaching both of those guys when he was at Nebraska before he got to Oregon. That was something that Lanning actually said today at Oregon Football Media Day. He was saying that uh, you know we have a good knowledge of, of Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley as a staff because of that overlap with Tony Tuyoti. And he was also pretty adamant saying that he doesn't think Brandon Dorless is getting enough praise. Uh, he's someone who pretty much didn't go through spring practice. He was limited, a limited participant the entire time. I don't think I saw him dress out for any of those practices that were open to the media. Didn't play in the spring game, but Lanny was talking today about his leadership, his work ethic, and he also was pretty pretty uh, fired up just about having Popo and Keonwar Hudson back. He was saying that they're going to be a big piece of the future success for the Oregon defense. Um, so I guess without saying it, it kind of seemed like he was indicating that those guys are trending back towards a return to start the season. Um, he, he didn't talk too much about injuries today at all, actually. Um, but those, you know, Keon, Popo, Dorless all missed, uh, spring practice. So even though that's not ideal, kind of like what I was talking about with the linebackers earlier in the show, you were able to get a lot of guys in, involved, um, you're able to get a lot of guys involved and then playing a, a lot of snaps that, that are going to come in handy uh, in, in the spring. So kind of just developing those, those younger guys and, and helping speed up their development a little bit, I think is, is something that is going to be a natural byproduct of not having some of your most experienced guys available. And that was the deal with, uh, with the ducks this past spring. So super excited for the defensive line. Um, I think that they're, a big part for them next year, they're going to be pivotal in, in seeing how good this Oregon pass rush is because it's not just the guys on the interior, on the exterior, on the outside. Those guys on the inside need to get a really good push so that these linebackers behind them can come flying in and uh, you know hit those holes. So I think that that's going to be a big thing we have to monitor this year is, is how much has this interior defensive line, which has played a lot of football, I feel like they're just as, if not maybe a little bit more experienced than Oregon's linebacker core. These are guys that are going to be asked a lot. Uh, they're going to ask a lot of this interior defensive line uh, for Oregon's defense next year. So we have to see how they take a step up in that regard. Another department that is huge when evaluating the defensive line is the run defense. How often are you getting pushed back off the line of scrimmage? And how often are you the ones that are doing the pushing off the line of scrimmage? I think that this defensive line, it feels like it's getting bigger every year. We're seeing every cycle more and more, you know, 280 plus 300 pounders almost are, are getting added to the roster pretty regularly. Uh, I believe Sam Taimani is, is right in that area of 300. And I think that Popo is, is pushing 300 and Keon Ware Hudson is probably someone who needs to add some more weight back to his frame just because he's been hurt for so long. Uh, and you know, the back half of last season and, and not playing in, in the spring. So I think that'll be something that that'll go a long way in, in helping Oregon's defense this upcoming year is just getting a better push, a more consistent push and their run defense. Let's talk about the run defense. Cause I think that they were pretty solid most of the year. I think that there was a lot of really, uh, really good stuff that you saw from 
from the Oregon run defense against Ohio State. They were able to, to shut that down pretty handedly, but when it came time to, to rush the passer, they, they weren't really able to pin their ears back and, and get after the quarterback as much as they wanted to. Um, you know, they, they did get pretty exposed against Ohio State in, in both of those matchups, and then the Alamo Bowl as well, but they didn't have everybody available in the Alamo Bowl, so it's a little hard to evaluate on that one. Um, but I think that their run defense was certainly a strength last year, uh, and now you obviously just want to, you know, kind of marry those two and, and be equally dominant in both. Um, and I think that with the coaches that they have on the staff, they, they should really be able to get a whole lot out of this uh, out of this Oregon defense. So we're going to go ahead and take a, a look at more questions and comments um, here. And then maybe I'll get to a couple other updates from Lanning that we saw today at Oregon Football Media Day. Um, so with that being said, let's check out some of these other comments. Shadow Faction 24 says, I'm excited to see this talented deep how this talented defense progresses under a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people are excited to see because I don't know. I, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Which side of the ball has more talent for Oregon? Maybe the better question is which side of the ball has more proven talent for Oregon because there's a lot of guys that have been able to see snaps early on defense versus the offense, or maybe they were seeing snaps early on offense, but they weren't being utilized that much because Oregon was so limited through the air last year. Um, so I think with Lanning, um, they, there was actually a video that was, um, that was posted today. It was Michael Gardner's commitment video. He tweeted his commitment video. And then in the video, you can hear, uh, Lanning and I believe Tosh Lapoy as well. I know for sure Lanning was talking in that video and it was so exciting. Lanning said, you know, four out of the last five years, either myself or coach Lapoy have coached the top defense in college football. So it's, uh, you know, hard to find any better place for development when you're looking at some of these star studded coaches, um, that, uh, that Oregon now has on their roster. And I've said it a couple times now. I think that Tosh Lapoy is, is one of the he has to be one of the most highly coveted coaches that Oregon finally has on their team. Now he's finally coaching for them, not against them. Like when he was at Washington and I believe he was at Cal as well earlier in his coaching career. So someone with a ton of West coast ties is going to be able to, he's starting to get some of these recruiting wins, I think with, with, you know, Terrence green being uh, someone that I know he was heavily involved in on the recruiting trail before he committed. Um, so you have some really talented head coaches, and I know that Lanning was talking about how things were different uh, prepping for this season when he was a defensive coordinator versus now with the Ducks. He is a head coach and he was saying, you know, you, you don't get to spend as much time, you know, maybe having your hand in that defense as you would like to from previous years, because now you're you're running the whole operation, right? You're hopping into the special teams meetings, you're hopping into the running backs meetings. Um, which just really helps you get a good feel for your overall team and then help you leave your mark on your team. So I think that development and progression is going to be, those are going to be two big topics as we head into the football season and see what this team looks like from week one against Georgia to, you know, maybe middle of the season or a couple of weeks after how quickly do they, do they improve? Because I know that Lanning is using that as kind of a guiding principle for his team, not only in fall camp, but also for this season is, is measured growth, seeing continued improvement. He's talking about 24 hour wins, just focusing on Oregon. I thought that that was a pretty interesting angle that he took uh, throughout the, the press conference today. And then a lot of players echoed that same sentiment. You know, we're not focused on our opponent so much as we are 
Oregon. We're focusing on Oregon and, you know, making sure that we are, you know, able to, to, I don't want to say beat ourselves, but, you know, overcome ourselves and um, not, you know, kind of get out of our own way. That's, that's probably a better way to put it. You know, can we get out of our own way? Can we stop overthinking things? Can we fly to the ball? Can we play fast, play smart, and then not overthink things? Because now, right now, a lot of these guys, at least in the in the secondary, I don't want to be jumping around too much, but um, that was another note from the the secondary when Landing was talking, is uh, a lot of those guys in the cornerback room in particular are kind of drinking out of a fire hose. Um, so that that's something to, to monitor to see how well they can implement the playbook and, and get comfortable with everything. Gerard says 2022 Oregon true freshman linebackers PR in the hundred meter Harrison Taggart, 10.69 and Devin Jackson, 10.57 guys that big should not move that fast. Well, thank you for, for being speedy on the keyboard for me, Gerard and bringing those numbers into the conversation. Yeah. I mean, usually I feel like for high school track in the hundred meters, anything sub 11 is pretty good uh, to kind of put this into context a little bit more. I know that uh, top Oregon cornerback target, Roderick Pleasant out of uh, uh, Gardena Serra in Southern California, he actually set the California state record in the hundred meters. I believe it was a 10.14 or 10.16. And he's a defensive back and these guys are linebackers moving this fast. So I think that speed is, is a, an asset and a highly coveted trait of any position on the football field, because it really helps, helps you get from point A to point B. And uh, it's, it makes you, you know, that much more valuable on the field. We've seen that uh, time and time again. We've seen that with, um, just since we're talking about defense, we can talk about a couple guys. I think we've seen that with Noah Sewell. He's someone I believe is listed at 6'3", 250. Hopefully we'll get updated weights and heights uh, when fall camp starts on Friday. Um, but uh, he's really fast and he's really athletic. He was kind of referred to as a jumbo athlete coming out of uh, Orem as a high school guy and he's used that speed to just fly all over the field, sideline to sideline. He's always involved. It feels like in every play in some way. So um, I think there, that definitely bodes well for these guys to maybe see the field sooner than they might have if they weren't as fast. Shadow faction says Devin Jackson is going to be a monster going to be hard to get him off the field with that speed. All right, let's see here. What else do we have going through the the live chat and everything here? So let's see, uh, let's see what people got to say. Gerard says, uh, Max, you've pr- mentioned previously that you were a tight end in high school. From the dozens to thousands of highlights you have, can you share of one of the more memorable with us? All right, well, I'm going to be honest here. Uh, I didn't play very much uh, as far as seeing the field um, in high school, so I need to to kind of. Uh, you know, rewind the clock a little bit here and uh, kind of think back to some of my memories here um, as a tight end. I don't know if I, I don't know if I actually have anything too crazy from in game. I, I know that uh, the one game that I started my sophomore year for JV, the starting guy was out and we actually lost that game, unfortunately. So I'm not really doing a good job of hyping myself up here. Um but I think just when I think back to my high school days, it was just so fun being around everything. Um, you know, high school football was really when I fell in love with football as a sport. My first love uh, for sports growing up was baseball. And then uh, I played flag football before I got up to high, the high school level. And then I tried out for the team. That was the first time I had tried out um, for a tackle team. And that was my first time playing tackle. So 
freshman year and sophomore year, I was a, a tight end defensive end, but I was super lanky and then really wasn't, uh, you know, didn't have the frame for it. Um, I think I was around, you know, I'm like five eleven, six foot, um, haven't grown a whole lot vertically, um, you know, since, uh, since high school, I was probably around 175, 180 maybe. And now I'm around like 190. So I've been hitting the gym a little bit more and I'm proud of that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, I, he said, hashtag go bells. And then you crossed it out. Hashtag go ducks. Yeah. Got it. Got to give a shout out to, to the Bellerman bells was able to go to that, uh, you know, football team reunion, um, uh, a week or so ago in, in San Jose. So that was really fun to, you know, honor coach Janda for his time with the team and, and see a, a bunch of old buddies from that. So I'm pretty excited for that. Mikey G, what's going on, Mikey G? He asks, Doorless listed at defensive end this year, can play up and down the line, might be the most talented D lineman. Hashtag hot take, question mark. Um, yeah, I think that, I don't think that's much of a hot take right now. I think he's the most talented defensive lineman that they have because of his versatility. I think he started his Oregon career more so on the interior, and then he's kind of been pushing out a little bit more um as the years have gone on and he's just a shining example of uh, the value that you can get by going to the state of florida he's a deerfield beach guy if if memory serves um so i think that he's probably the most talented guy but at the same time since if you're playing more on the outside rather than the interior you're going to be producing more stats um and some of those interior guys don't get uh you know enough praise for the havoc that they cause um you know from from play to play so i think I think that he's, he's someone to, I think I'm just really interested to see what kind of a role he has this year because he's steadily improved with each of his seat with each season that he's been here. And I think he can kind of be the next, the next big defensive lineman for Oregon, maybe even at the NFL level. Um, This is his fourth year and he came in 2019, I believe. So he played 19, 20, 21. Um, We'll have more eligibility after the 2022 season, but I think that, uh, probably safe to say that he's trying to head to the NFL after this year. Um, but man, let's not sell those other guys. Some of those other guys short Popo Amavai has been an absolute stud since he's been out. Distinctions in his time there. Keon where Hudson, I think has shown some real promise uh, for Oregon, but like I said, he, he's had some injuries, but I think he's going to have a huge season. Uh, another modern day guy that, that played some really high competition really elite competition, uh, you know, in that Trinity league in Southern California. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably not too much. And then you have some new guys, right? Sam Taimani, Jordan Riley, Casey Rogers that are coming in, uh, Suava Poti, someone who's been with the team for a while. Maybe it's his time to take a bigger step forward. Uh, and then you also have Mikhail Afaisi, um, as a new guy. Uh, so I think that this, this defensive line is, is super talented and I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, what they can do here. Christopher says, love when I can catch Max live. Appreciate you stopping by, Christopher. Christopher's a longtime friend of the show, friend of the program. So uh, love to love to see those uh, returning faces. Sko Ducky says, Sko Ducks. Yes, sir. Um, let's see here. Mikey has another comment here. I think he's talking about Doorless. I know he doesn't plug holes like Keon Ware Hudson or Popo, but he's not meant to. But he can play over the center if needed and still hold his own. Um, uh, IOW can pass rush and arm taller if needed. Um, I don't know what IOW means. Oh, 
an arm tackle if needed. Yeah, no, Brandon's Brandon Doros is is an absolute stud, and I think that he's going to have a huge season for Oregon. Christopher says Flo is just like Ruben Foster at Alabama, but sadly Flo is getting hurt in college where Foster's injuries didn't take effect till he was a 49er. Yeah, of course Ruben Foster doesn't get injured until he plays for my team uh, with with the 49ers, but I think that's a pretty good comp. I think that they just kind of they both run around like like madmen, like they're possessed. Um and just the the energy that that Flo exudes, I think even if he's not making the play, he's just so fired up that that has a really good trickle down effect on the rest of your defense. So I think that Ruben Foster is, is a really good, um, a really good comp for, for Justin Flo, even in the limited time that we've seen him at the college level, but we know that he's a guy that can achieve at a high level. He was a Butkus award winner at Upland high school as the best linebacker in high school football in the entire country. Um, so that's someone that we really have to keep our eye on this year. I feel like I'm saying that a million times. So as I'm doing these podcasts and these live streams, I'm trying to get better at not repeating myself a million times. Much easier to do that when you have someone else on the podcast with you, but it's a, a skill that I want to develop being able to talk, uh, you know, for an hour or so, uh, you know, for however long a podcast is by myself. Um, another question here from Christopher, any word on any of the five-star D line recruits commitments? Yeah. I don't think that there's anything super new. Um, with uh there's not anything super new with the recruiting front as far as some of these really talented guys that Oregon's going after. I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, DJ Hicks, um, as well as uh Mateo Uyungle, right? Those are some some really big guys on the defensive end, you know, at edge that you're that you're looking at. Um Samuel and Pemba, I don't think there's anything super new to report there, but um, you know, he's at IMG. Miami's making a really good push into IMG uh, under Mario Cristobal. I know we don't want to talk about it that too much, but uh, still something that's worth noting. Um, let's see. Um, who else do we have here? I feel like those are some of the main guys. I think it's a newer guy that uh, I believe got out to Oregon recently that I saw a report on is uh, uh, Tassili Akana from Sky Ridge High School in, in Lehigh, Utah. Um, he's a really highly regarded prospect. He's the top prospect in the state of Utah. Um, four-star guy, 0.9668, number 69 player in the country on the 247 composite, number nine edge rusher. Uh, but man, he's got some big schools coming after him. 46 reported offers. LSU and Oklahoma look like they're in a good spot there. And you know that Utah is going to give him a good battle to get out of the state. Got to figure the same thing applies there for, for BYU, but he's someone that I I'm not as familiar with. I think he was at a camp that I went to back in, um, back in May. So he's someone that I'm going to be excited to see what he can, what he can do uh, on the defensive line. Um, and, and if Oregon can, can make some, some good progress there, because you have to give yourself backup options uh, if, if you're not able to get some of these even more highly regarded guys, uh, especially since they missed out on Colton Vasek, who uh, ended up announcing his commitment to Oklahoma. That was a pretty interesting recruitment, I would say, because uh, Vasek's uh, father played at Texas in the 90s, I believe. And then some other guys that you want to keep an eye on, you have Blake Purchase, really, really like him and, and what he brings to the table as an athletic edge rusher. Uh, I think Notre Dame recently got into the picture there in his recruitment. So he announced a little bit ago that he's going to be pushing back his commitment. Uh, no new date there. And then you also have Jaden Moore 
out of Central Valley in Visalia, California. He's an edge rusher that recently came out to campus and sounds like the Ducks are maybe turning up the heat there a little bit and, and his recruitment. But those are some of the big guys that you need to um, that you need to watch there uh, on the recruiting trail. Let's see. Uh, Debbie asks, who could lose their job on defense? Yeah, this is an interesting question. It's definitely, uh, as Gerard said here in the in the comments, uh, definitely a, a tough love question. And then Debbie said, type of question that needs an answer. LOL, uh, appreciate the highlight. I think Dante Manning will lose his spot. Yeah, I, I don't want to speculate too much on guys that are losing, that could lose their spot, but I think that he's kind of entering a bit of a prove it year. Maybe that's an appropriate way to say it, that, that Dante Manning has you know something to prove this year, um, seeing that he, he's been at Oregon for a bit, but last season was his most complete season. Certainly doesn't help that he got dinged up in the spring, but um, that that's a position that has added a lot of talent, and there's going to be guys that are you know right on his heels uh, to get onto the field. So um, definitely doesn't help that Oregon lost Jalen Davies. Um, just for their overall talent in the secondary at cornerback. But I think that um, maybe, yeah, I don't want to speculate that someone's going to lose their job because I, I mean, um, let's see who else, who else might be, you know, getting some pretty good competition, you know, who's going to be pushed at their spot. Maybe we could kind of phrase it that way. I think that um, let's see. I feel like that state, that second safety spot is, is relatively open. Um you have Bennett Williams. I think Bennett Williams is the main guy that you're most confident in with that safety spot. Uh, Steve Stevens is someone who's been at Oregon for a while, but uh, doesn't totally feel like he's been able to, to break through too much since he's been at Oregon, came to Oregon with Javon Holland. So naturally, uh, I feel like some people are going to compare the two, but they're definitely different types of guys. And, and Steve Stevens has uh, been great to talk to in the times we've been able to talk to him. But um, I think that that second safety spot, you know, that that's as open as it's ever been. I think Jamal Hill saw some good snaps at safety last year, but we're going to have to see if he's able to break through to have a, a, a bigger role. Uh, Ducks added, uh, like I said, Kamari Terrell in the 2022 class, Trajan Williams, a local guy um, out of Jefferson High School in, in Portland. So I think you got to keep an eye out for the, the, the secondary overall. It just feels like it's pretty open aside from some of those solidified guys like Bennett Williams and, or they seem solidified. I can't say that right now, but they seem solidified as far as Bennett Williams and, uh, and Dante Manning. All right, we're going to wind down here. So if you guys have any last minute questions, definitely throw them in the chat and I'll see if I can get to them. Gerard asks, odds of college game day in Atlanta on September 3rd. Uh, let's look at the other um, let's look at the other games that are uh, on that, that same day. Okay, hold on. I'm Googling it here. Um, shoot. I'm typing in week one and it's showing August 27th. So that's not what I not what I'm looking for. But let me keep uh, let me keep scrolling so I can get to some of the FBS games. Um, because I know that Notre Dame and Ohio State are going to be playing uh, pretty early in the season. Let's see what else we have here. Um, all right. Michigan-Colorado State, that's not a big game. Um, all right, what else do we have? I, I mean, you know, we got Rice and USC, Auburn and Mercer. Ooh, Utah, Florida, that's a game that I'm super interested in. 
Uh, I want to see how, uh, you know, how Kyle Whittingham and his team stack up against an SEC team, albeit not one of the necessarily more talented teams. I feel like Florida has left a lot to be desired. I think it's just looking at the slate, I'd say it's probably got to be either Oregon versus Georgia or Ohio State versus Notre Dame. That would be awesome. I wouldn't be super surprised. You also have LSU and uh, Florida State. Um, that game is on September 4th. So we'll have a, a rare Sunday game, it looks like. Um, but I think that Oregon, is, they should be right there in the conversation for uh, for game day. I think the only other game that really, uh, you know, matches the hype behind that one is it's got to be Notre Dame, Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, Ryan Day uh, with the Buckeyes, and then Marcus Freeman and the rest of the uh, West, rest of the uh, Oregon – sorry, not Oregon – I keep getting distracted looking at the comments, so sometimes it makes me makes me uh, wander a little bit. Um, but Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, and the rest of the Fighting Irish, first year for him, but it feels like they're also in their championship window. I don't think that Oregon and Notre Dame have identical scenarios or situations because Notre Dame has been much more successful more recently than Oregon has, but I feel like they're both kind of in that championship window, especially with the Irish going to the college football playoff. I believe it was in 2020. Um, where they where they lost by two touchdowns, I think it was, to Alabama. So I think that Oregon's also in their championship window, much like um, much like Notre Dame is, but they're both breaking in first-year head coaches. So you figure that Notre Dame has more continuity because they were able to keep their OC around, and then Marcus Freeman was already on the staff. So they had a much more ideal scenario, I think, with, with their coach hiring because – they had their next head coach already on the staff. And I think that even though Dan Lanning has talked about staying at Oregon or you could see himself at Oregon for a while, don't see the same scenario happening with Mario Cristobal going back to his alma mater in uh, uh, Miami, you know, Dan Lanning's joke, you know, unless William Jewell college comes calling, uh, but he thinks he's going to be pretty happy at Oregon. But I think that that would be a good, that'd be a healthy thing for Oregon in any school is to just kind of breed a lot of really good coordinators on your staff uh, that way, if you find yourself having to hire somebody new um, onto your staff and as your head coach, then you can just you can just uh, you know have somebody already on your roster. Another question from Christopher. I'd never thought I would have gotten this question, Max. What is your favorite Snapple? Everyone knows Snapple Apple is the best. If you guys have been watching the Ducks Dish podcast or watching me on YouTube for a while, you know that I like to to drink Snapple uh, on the show when I can. I'm, I'm rocking a Trader Joe's blueberry lemonade sparkling water. Really good. You should try it if you haven't yet. But my favorite Snapple is just the good old-fashioned um, lemon, just the, the OG lemon Snapple. I feel like Snapple, you can't find it anywhere. I can't believe I'm talking about this on my show. It absolutely cracks me up. But Snapple is my favorite drink in the world, and it's just getting harder and harder to find uh, you know, at stores across the country, certainly in Eugene, it's difficult to find, but I like, uh, I like lemon. I like peach. Uh, peach is also good. They used to have a pink lemonade flavor or a regular lemonade flavor too. And that used to be pretty good. And then the, the, uh, kind of like half and half Snapple half and half used to be pretty good. Um, but yeah, I'm always here for all the Snapple questions and Snapple banter, but got a lot of really good stuff, uh, today previewing the Oregon football defense ahead of fall camp and then sprinkling in some updates from Dan Lanning and company. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, end the show there. 
Wanted to say a big thank you to all you who tuned in live here on YouTube. Before you go, quick favor to ask of you, smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, and then hit the notification bell to not miss out on future live streams here on YouTube. Um, really appreciate uh, all the support that we've had. The channel has been growing, and we're going to keep growing, talking about podcasts, live streams, press conferences from, from the coaches and players at Oregon. You can find all of that here on my YouTube channel. So really appreciate you guys stopping by, spending some time to talk ball. Go ahead and do me another favor and share the Ducks Ish podcast with your family, friends, other Duck fans. We are trying to grow an awesome community here on YouTube and at the Ducks Ish podcast. So really appreciate you guys stopping by. And uh, we will catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.